Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Friday, May the 26th, 2023. It is currently 2.51 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. I want you to think. I want you to think carefully here. Now, one second. Someone's sending me a message. Okay. <laughs> someone has seen someone has seen the title of this. Someone has already seen the title of this episode on one of the other platforms we're currently broadcasting on. And they just said, Oh boy, this will be fun. I I oh I don't know how fun it's going to be, but I'm going to try. All right. So so I want you to put your thinking caps on. I want you to really, really, really try to follow my line of reasoning here. It may seem a little off track. You, you may not, because I know the direction I probably should take this, but I'm going to go in a somewhat different direction. I mean, that's what you expect when you listen to the Theology Central podcast, right? I don't, I don't typically, you know, you're, you know, typically it's a theology podcast or you're like, oh, I know what he's going to say about this or what he's going to say about that. I think there's some of you probably have a tendency to know what I'm going to say, but I typically don't follow along with what everyone else has tends to say. I think I think so. I think I've distinguished myself enough in that way. But here we go. Thinking caps on. When you think about your Christian life, right? We know that we open the Bible and there is command after command after command after command after command after command. Or we would say theologically, law after law after law after law after law. Now, we know, if we're even remotely honest with ourselves, that number one, we cannot keep that law, and that law is to reveal the fact that we cannot keep it, so it will drive us to the only one who could ever keep it and who kept it perfectly, which is Jesus Christ, and then he he died and paid for our sins of failing to keep that law, obey that law, and his obedience and his perfection is imputed to us, accredited to our account by faith. Right. So we know that when we open our Bible and it says, do this, do this, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. We know we're never going to never, never, never be able to obey it fully. Now, I know that goes against the way many Christians think, because many Christians think, no, you couldn't keep the law. But now that you're saved, you can. So in their minds, Christianity is really not about Jesus imputing perfect righteousness to those who could not keep the law. No, it's about Jesus coming to save you so that you can keep the law, that you can obey it. But 2,000 years of church history and just some basic line of reasoning, right? You'll know that you can't keep it. Love the Lord that God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. Have you ever done that? No. Okay, well, then you can't keep the law. Love your neighbor as yourself. Has you Have you ever done that even anywhere close to perfect? No. All right, then you're not keeping the law. Be ye holy as God is holy. That means be absolutely perfect. Can you do that? No, because you're going to sin in thought, word, deed, desire, feeling, and action. You're going You're going to not do it. So we, so we know that. We know we're going to fall short. Now, Christians try to deny this. Christians try to try to say, no, 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 we can. But anyone who's remotely honest with themselves realize we're going to fall short over and over and over. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about this. I really want you to think about this. All right. You, get, you got your thinking caps on. I, I want you to really think about this. Okay. Here we go. What is it that causes us 
not to be able to obey the law perfectly. What is it, right? Now, we, we immediately we say, it's our sinful nature. And obviously, theologically, I completely agree. I completely agree that it's our sinful nature that causes all the problems, right? But if we pull back a little bit and not just say sinful nature, we can think that there's a lot of things that happen inside of us that constantly lead. Now, I believe it's being driven by our sinful nature, but there's a lot of things, the way we think, the, what we desire, what we feel. There's a lot going on inside of us, right? Where we don't desire to do what we do. We desire to do something else. Now, again, I believe that all flows from the sinful nature, but I'm just looking at the makeup of a human being. It's our thinking, it's our emotions, it's our desires, right? It's our thinking, it's our emotions and our desires. Well, what, if you look at it from a purely human standpoint, forget, forget the existence of a sinful nature, you would be, it's the mind, right? Because isn't it the mind that really, I mean, the mind controls the emotions and the feelings and the desire. It all flows from our brain, right? Isn't our brain really headquarters? Isn't really the, the control center for, so for all of these other things that are happening inside of us? So could we say that what's wrong, at least from a human perspective, is the reason people do all of these things and, and all the things that we do that are just wrong and we struggle with, even from a Christian perspective, that somehow it starts in our mind. I mean, the Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he, right? It's our minds, right? The renewing of our minds, our minds, our minds. So if our brain is really the control center for so much of our behavior, if we could get our mind right, then theoretically, then, then a lot of the other things should fall into place, right? Theoretically, now I know we still have a sinful nature. So no matter how much we get our thinking right, we're never going to ultimately have the power to keep God's law because our sinful nature. Now, obviously, from a, from a purely materialistic, humanistic standpoint, they, they can't account for the sinful nature. They don't know what to do with that, right? They always, you know, everything is based off your, your mind and how you think. And so you can, you can fix it through somehow reprogramming the mind, which never completely works because the sinful nature remains, right? So, so I, sometimes Christians even try to bring in kind of a psychological, concept to try to help us in our Christian life. But the reality is it's our sinful nature, our sinful nature, our sinful nature. But I'm trying for argument's sake is to set that aside and just think about how much, think of it this way, how much does your mind, does your brain impact your ability to live out the Christian life? Now, what if someone who had a lot of money started developing something. Something that could be implanted in your brain that could have major impact on your emotions, on your desires, and could, in a sense, reprogram your brain to overcome everything from obesity to depression to schizophrenia. Like it, it could begin to really just like literally change so much of who you are. What if they could implant something in your brain that literally could help you become a better Christian? 
What would you would you do it? Would you do it? Now, some of this is hypothetical, obviously, but some of this is not so hypothetical. See, the reason I'm trying to kind of at least entertain this this line of reasoning is because of a news article someone shared with me a little while ago. Then I started looking up other news articles about it. I'm like, okay, how would I approach this story? Now, while I was getting ready to approach this story, I was looking on the Sermons 2.0 app and all the other people who are currently broadcasting are all yelling and screaming about Target. We need to boycott Target. We need, and I'm like, what is happening? So I guess that's what I'm supposed to be talking about. But right now I don't care about yelling and screaming about people trying to boycott Target. Yeah. Okay. That that's for another day. I, I don't. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to even uh, get. I don't even want to walk walk by those shark infested waters because you can't offer any counter uh, perspective there. But I just. Yeah. I just. I just. I, I. I don't know what would happen if the world decided to start boy. I mean, I don't know. Okay. Well, there. Never mind. We'll 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 go in a different direction. All right. Here we go. So here's the story that sparked all of this. This was updated nine hours ago. Elon Musk Neuralink says it has FDA approval for study of brain implants in humans. Elon Musk Neuralink says it has FDA approval for study of brain implants in humans. Now, immediately, some people are going to like, oh, this is the mark of the beast. This is the mark of the beast. Okay, first of all, everyone calm down. Okay, the mark of the beast, you can find it in the book of Revelation. First, if you even put the book of Revelation in anything remotely of a chronological order, a whole lot of things have to happen before people start being, quote unquote, chipped, before people start getting a mark. All right, that's number one. And none of those things are occurring if you take the book of Revelation even remotely literal. All right, that's number one. All right, number, so, so, and this is taking a much more literal approach and a futuristic approach. I know some people say, no, this is all describing what happened in 70 AD. I understand all of the different hermeneutical approaches to the book of Revelation. But I'm saying, even if you took a futuristic approach and took it even somewhat literal, well, then you would have to say, all of these other things happened way before the marking of the beast. Now, you could argue, are the mark of the beast, you know, being given to people. Now, you could argue these kinds of technologies show that, the technology will be in place when it's time, but we'd be a, we are a long ways away from it actually being the mark of the beast, right? So, so enough of, you know, everyone's like always like the mark of the beast, the mark of the beast. Like, well, you're obviously taking the mark of the beast very literal. Well, if you're going to take it literal, then take the rest of the book of Revelation literal and a whole lot of things have to happen before you ever get to the mark of the beast. So that's number one. Number two, I believe the mark of the beast, it will be whatever, whatever technology is used and however one receives it, it's not going to be done like, oh, we tricked you. We said, get this mark so that you could buy some food. And ha, 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 ha. we now own your soul. You're going to hell. You've been tricked. I, I think it's going to be a clear decision that you are, in a sense, taking the mark. You are, in a sense, renouncing your connection with Jesus Christ. I think it will be something clear and it will be a definitive decision that you're making that you're following the beast. Again, look at the context of where the verses talk about. So I don't think this has anything to do with the mark of the beast at this moment. It, the technology could be used later on if you hold to a very literal futuristic view of Revelation, but we're not, 
We're not there yet, okay? So let's just get that out of the way because that's what that's how everyone wants to talk about this story, right? Everyone wants to talk about the safety of it, right? Because of some horrible things that supposedly happened in researching of it involving monkeys. I know that's a big part of the story today. I just want to step back and just look at it from kind of more of a theological Christian perspective, looking at it more just kind of a, a hypothetical discussion about Christian life, morality, and what could a brain implant do to make us more moral? And would that be the ultimate goal? And here, the reason why is that because I think some Christians just perceive Christianity as nothing more than a system of morality, right? Just do right. Don't do wrong. Do right. Don't do wrong. Stop sinning. Stop sinning. It's all it ever is, right? And you're in a perpetual state of guilt and a perpetual state of fear that you're going to sin. Now, people say, no, it's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah, until you make certain mistakes and then it's all, everything blows up and then you have to live in shame and guilt, shame and guilt and shame and guilt. So I wonder like if there was, if this neural link, this brain implant, if it could, hey, hey, here, look, I know you're struggling in your Christian life. I know you're struggling with this. I know you're struggling with that. You're having this problem. You're having that problem. You're, hey, 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 brain implant, boom, you're super Christian, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, I'm not saying that's how it would ever go, but let's just read a little bit about this. Elon Musk brain implant company Neuralink on Thursday said the U.S. Food and Drug Administration had given the green light to its first inhuman clinical trial, a critical milestone after early struggles to gain approval. All right, so just remember, technology is always moving forward. And we, we don't ever know what's coming around the corner, but there's always something new, always something bigger, always, and there's always going to be controversy surrounding it. But the, the world you know today will not be the world we live in 20 years from now. It's going to look radically different. Just think, if you're an adult, just think of all the changes that's happened in your lifetime from the time you were a child till today. Things are so radically different. So can you imagine what the world's going to look like in 20 years as technology continues to advance? The FDA nod represents an important first step that will one day allow our technology to help many people. Neuralink said in a tweet, it didn't, uh, okay, well, let me read this all again. The FDA nod represents an important first step that will one day allow our technology to help many people. Neuralink said in a tweet. It did not elaborate on the aims of the study, saying that it was uh, was not recruiting yet and more details would be available soon. All right. So we don't know exactly what they're going to do. Here's a little bit more information. Neuralink and the FDA did not immediately respond uh, to request uh, for comment. Uh, Elon Musk envisions brain implants could cure a range of conditions, including obesity autism, depression, schizophrenia, as well as enabling web browsing, I guess from your mind, and telepathy. He made headlines last year when he said he was so confident in the device's safety that he would be willing to implant them in his own children. Right? Um, now, just think of all the things that supposedly that would do. All right? Um and I'm looking here. It doesn't go on 
Uh, it doesn't go on to offer more things about what they could use it for. So the, the list we have right now is uh, it would that this is what they supposedly could possibly cure. Obesity, autism, depression, schizophrenia, as well as enabling web browsing and telepathy. Now, I don't know. I, I'm assuming that's just the tip of the iceberg. I, I just I, I just think that's the just we're scratching the surface there. How many different things could it impact? How many different things? Now, obviously, from a medical standpoint, yeah, I'm excited for it. Maybe it could help with seizures. Maybe it could help with mental health issues like depression or schizophrenia. That would be am- or help with, with severe autism. Those could be amazing medical breakthroughs. I mean, I would I would love it. Any form of dementia. I wouldn't it be great if it could it could remove that. Like, look, I'm all for it. Get that technology. Let's fix all of those medical issues. All right. Um, okay. All right. Parkinson's. Yeah. Say that would be another great thing. I mean, all the medical breakthrough, man. I am for it. I am for it. I am for it. Let's get rid of these horrible diseases. Let's let's find a cure. I'm all for that. Like I'm like all day long. Uh, you know, give put put the neuralink put the brain implant in my brain if it will help with certain medical issues right i mean my seizure disorder would be gone wouldn't that be great a lot of my neurological issues it could resolve that would be like sign me up i probably would be willing to try it okay so um i so i'm for that but from a hypothetical standpoint right i'm more more just trying to get us to think about it and and and, and you'll see where i'm going with this what if it could, in a sense, basically remove so many, uh, for, for, at least from a humanistic standpoint, it could fix, it could change our thinking in such a way that we could basically become almost sinless, at least as far as external action is involved. Well, I don't know. Maybe even internally, if, if it could so reprogram your mind, you wouldn't even desire the wrong. Maybe it could res- fix all addiction problems. Alcoholism, gone. Drug addiction, gone. Whatever addiction. Could, I mean, I mean, who knows how, how far this could go? Who knows? But just from a Christian perspective, just think about that. How much of your sinful issues relate to your thinking, your desires, your feelings, your emotions? And what if a Neuralink, a brain implant, could so revolutionize it that you're, it's gone? Now, I, now, I, I mean, maybe even the internal, you're like your whole way of thinking would be different. So not only would your thinking would be di- different, your actions would be different and you would be more in line to the word of God. I, I, I wonder like, um, yeah, criminal behavior could be gone. Yeah. Like so much of it, like it would be, it would be, it would be bizarre. Like, I, I mean, I know that this, we're, we're, we're jumping the gun here. We're going way beyond, we're, we're nowhere near this, anywhere in the immediate future. I'm not making any, some wild claim yet. I'm just thinking hypothetically, what would it look like? Because here's what I'm trying to figure out. What do you think Christians care the most about? I guess, I guess I'm using, I guess I'm using this more as a way to lead us into a discussion about the, what really is important in the Christian life. See, see, to me, the Christian story 
has never been. If I take historical biblical Christianity, at least, at least after, at least we would say Protestantism, not, not that which would be in line with a Catholic viewpoint, which is more about an infused righteousness instead of an infused, imputed righteousness. But if we look at this, if we look at what I believe is the true story of Christianity, the true story of Christianity, it, it is, it has always been this. God is holy, perfect, righteous. He's manifested that holiness and righteousness in his law. His law says, do this, don't do this. Do this and live, don't do this, and you'll be cursed, right? You'll be punished. There'll be death, right? That's, that's, we read this over and over in the Bible, right? Do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. Law, 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 law. And that law constantly reveals one thing about us. We cannot keep it. We fall short of it internally and externally. We sin and we sin and we sin and we sin and we sin. We are condemned by the law. The law is not, we cannot keep it. All it does is condemn us. It doesn't help us. It condemns us. In fact, it even, it even almost sparks and motivates and creates rebellion. Everything about the law is condemning. Now it's revealing because it reveals how messed up we are and it points to an ultimate solution. But God did not leave us under the law condemned. He sent his son, second person of the Trinity, the eternal son of God, to come to this earth first and foremost to obey the law perfectly. He was tempted in all points like we were yet without sin. He obeyed every single part of it. He suffered and died for my failure to keep it. In Christ, all of my failure is forgiven and washed away. And then by faith, the perfection of Christ, his passive and active obedience, this is, this is historical Christianity. You can find it in London Baptist Confession of Faith, Westminster Confession of Faith. This is historical, biblical, I believe, Christianity. His righteousness and obedience, this is very important, is imputed to me. In other words, I'm declared now to be perfect. I'm declared to be obedient. I'm declared to be righteous, even though I am not. In practice, I'm a sinner. In Christ, and in, 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 because of his imputed righteousness, I'm a new creature. The old is gone. Everything is new. In practice, I'm an old person. I'm an old creature. The old is still very much present because the sinful nature remains. And then I live out this Christian life on one hand, secure in my position because of an imputed righteousness. But trying to live out in practice what is true positionally, but it will always be imperfect and I will always fall short over and over and over again. Love the Lord that God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. You're never going to do that. Love your neighbor as yourself. You're never going to do that. Be holy as he is holy. You're never going to pull that off. So you're always going to be in a perpetual state of sin. Now, if Christ, if God truly wanted that to be removed for us practically, then he would have gotten rid of the sinful nature. Right? The sinful nature would just have been eradicated. Some Christians teach the eradication of the old nature, and then they continue to sin, 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 sin. Or they have to redefine sin to such a way so that they can then convince themselves that they're doing it perfectly, which is just crazy because if you look at how God defines sin, it's not just an external thing, it's an internal thing. So the story of Christianity seems to be the story of imperfect people living out their faith in a perfect and holy God 
imperfectly, but finding hope and rescue and security, not in their actions, but in the finished work of the, of the Son of God. But, but Christianity at large doesn't seem to want to acknowledge that. We, we acknowledge it in, in some ways, but in other ways, it's about performance. It's about doing. It's about doing it right. It's about getting it right. You will get this right. You will do right. You will do do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. Most all sermons are focused on law-based sermons. Do this, do this, do this, do this better. Do this, do this. Read your Bible more. Go to church more. Do this, do this. Stop doing this. Stop looking at this. Stop watching this. Stop reading this. Stop thinking this way. Do And, and I'm not saying we should ever avoid, I'm not saying we should avoid those subje- subjects all the time. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is it's such a performance-based system that seems to focus on behavioral modification more than anything else. And I wonder if, if that has so skewed our way of thinking about Christianity that something like, hey guys, coming to the nearest walk-in clinic, Neuralink, the brain implant that will revolutionize your life. It will change your mind, therefore changing your behaviors. Your addictions will go away. Your weaknesses go away. Your anger will go away. Now, all you would need is then maybe, the, maybe, maybe again, this is hypothetical. Maybe then you would need the Christian company selling their version of Neuralink, right? Stop by your local Bible bookstore and go to the clinic and back, get a Neuralink. And guess what? We will have it programmed so that you will not desire sinful things, that you will only desire godly things. We will create our Neuralink to work in your brain so that you think more Christ-like, so that you act more Christ-like. Your lust will be gone. I think some Christians would almost want that. Now I know it's I know it's dangerous because if, if I if if I don't clarify, you're going to say so. You're saying we should just sin. I'm just saying clearly in God's plan. We can, we uh, look. There's no way to get around it. Now I, I understand we can get into the whole argument about secondary causes, but if an all-knowing God creates a world, knowing sin is going to enter into the world, creates the very being Satan, who's going to rebel. When Satan rebels, he does not destroy Satan, but lets Satan comes to this earth, use the serpent to come into the garden, lets him even come into the garden, and knowing that, and then creates Adam and Eve, knowing that not only is he going to allow them to be tempted, knowing they're going to sin, and then once they sin, he does not destroy. Satan. He does not destroy them. No, that he allows them to reproduce, knowing that now every person born is going to be born with a sinful nature. And then the entire Bible is a story of sin, 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 failure, 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 sin, 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 sin. I don't care from, from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. I mean, sin, sin, Moses, David, Solomon, the nation of Israel, sin, 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 failure, 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 failure. The Bible, the story is a story of broken people who fall, but a perfect God 
who, in his mercy and grace, sent his son to die for that failure and then imputes the obedience and perfection of Christ to those who believe. Not making them perfect, not making them obedient, but declaring them to be that which they are not. Now, I know I'm doing just a little, I just, I'm, just, I'm just trying to take this concept of the neural link. And just because, because, let me give you an example. Within a lot of, it, it depends on where you, you seek out information, but there's been a lot of discussion, especially in some Christian circles, about that the world out there is, is moving towards kind of like these genetic you know, g- trying to manipulate the genetic code. So we basically have these designer babies so that they will be born because they're going to manipulate the genetic code, right? From, from basically the moment of conception, they're going to manipulate the genetic code so that then these, p- ch- these children will be born and they will have no genetic predisposition to cancer or to this disease or this disease or this disease. And that, and that genetically, they can basically have these designer babies to, well, they're never going to have problems with their eyesight. They're never going to have problems with their hearing. They're never going to have problems with their back. They're never going to have problems with this disease or this disease or this disease. And, and like you can just almost create the perfect baby by manipulating the DNA and the genetic code. Right. And Christians will, you know, talk about that and, and like, you know, well, no, no. Like, what do we do with that? Um, okay. Now, someone, someone just asked this question. Uh, what if this could be implanted in a baby? Could they live an outwardly perfect life? Not saying anyone should do this, was just thinking about how far this could go. Yes. And I think to me, not only would they live an outwardly perfect life, depending on the technology. I mean, right now the technology is, would be in its infancy, but I mean, if it can, do, if it even comes close to doing some of the things he's claiming, can get rid of obesity, schizophrenia, autism, depression. You're really going after, uh, you know, parts of the brain that would even control actions and feelings and emotions. It would have a profound impact. So let's just say theoretically. I think not only would they be outwardly perfect, you could theoretically claim they would be inwardly perfect because you would be so changing the thinking. Therefore, that's what leads to the outward. The outward would be right because the inward would be right. Now, I know from a theological perspective, I don't think it can completely work because it can, can a neural link, can a brain implant overcome the sinful nature? Now, if you think about it, Christianity, many within the Christian world, has tried to kind of promote our own brain implant, our own neural link, right? Because many Christians claim when you became a Christian, the Holy Spirit takes residence in you. And I do believe we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. But they claim now because we're indwelt with the Holy Spirit, we have the power, the omnipotent power of God to overcome sin. And then, well, then we continue to sin, 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 sin. So then that, that raises all kinds of problems. Unless, again, you change the definition of sin, therefore that anyone can obey it. But if you keep the definition of sin from a biblical standard, which would involve the mind, the heart, the desires, the will, the thinking, everything, then, yeah, you're, we know we're in trouble. So theoretically, this could this would just could almost create perfect people.
was God's design to make, to, to save people so we could be perfect now? Or did he save people knowing we aren't perfect, we won't be perfect, but we will be trophies of grace, not trophies of power so that we can stop doing wrong, but trophies of grace. And then there, the, the desired time will be glorification where then we are no longer have a sinful nature. Some sell a Christian story, come to Jesus and you will stop sinning. Others tell a story of Jesus, come to Jesus because you will never be good enough and he will impute his perfect righteousness to you and you will stand covered in that. And then we live out our Christian life as imperfectly as we can. Very drastically different versions of Christianity. That's why Christians love to tell the story. They love to, to, to have these kinds of stories where, you know, Here's so-and-so, they were a homosexual for 20 years. They came to Jesus and boom, magically the homosexual desire just went away. Boom. Well, if that's true, then every heterosexual who's ever become saved, so just immediately, boom, no more lust. No more anything. Like, like so in some cases, we almost put that demand on someone who with the same sex attraction, but we don't put the same demand sometimes on, well, then those of us who have an opposite sex attraction. The point is, is we're saved and we still have wrong desires all the time. We have wrong ways of thinking, wrong ways of speaking, wrong desires, wrong feelings, wrong actions. It's a perpetual state of disobedience to some level. Again, be holy as God is holy. Have you ever been that holy? No. Therefore, you're in a perpetual state of sin. Positionally, you are as holy as God is holy because of imputed righteousness. Now, I know I may be like, I may be in some ways, I'm probably talking about something that's not even shouldn't even be discussed or even considered maybe for another 25 or 30 years. I'll probably be long dead before some of these issues become a reality. But I think it's something to think about, right? Like how would brain implants, Neuralink kind of concept, how it could it be utilized within a Christian worldview in order to try to almost create, like we, we get met when we, when we look at the world, like how dare they try to create genetic babies that are perfect, how they're manipulating, they're trying to play God. But I wonder in some ways if Christians would then take the Neuralink concept and say, this can make us more godly and righteous and holy. I know I'm, I'm, I know I'm way out there in left field, but hey, this, look, when I have a microphone in a studio right here and I start thinking things, I just walk up the stairs. And go live. But I think, I think at the, what I'm trying to get down to, I I guess this is where I'll try to end with this, is how should we truly understand the Christian life? Like I'm using this Neuralink brain implants and futuristic, you know, speculation to try to get down to something that's very practical in your life or my life. How should we view the Christian life? I think we can't reduce Christianity to simply a a system of morality because I don't think that's accurate or fair. And number two, I think we just have to understand 
The reality of the Christian life is imperfect people standing in the perfection of Jesus Christ that's been imputed to them, not infused, but imputed. Remember, that's the whole Protestant Reformation was an argument between imputed and infused righteousness. We're not infused with it. it I'm declared to be righteous even though I am not. I just think the way some Christians think today, they're like, well, yeah, do the brain implant because all that matters is how you live practically. Like, it's your actions, it's your morality. That would be our morality accomplished without Christ. Now, but see, I don't believe when we come to Christ, it would be a morality accomplished without Christ based off external obedience. And I think a Christianity is a story of not a practical righteousness lived out in any, because of anything. It's a story of imperfect people covered and declared to be righteous, even though they are not. I don't know where it's going to go. I have no way of knowing. I know it's something we'll continue to watch and see. Um, we'll, we'll, you know, I just know that this is one of the things that gets lots of the, pr- the press. Everyone will forget about it. While everyone's forgetting about it, there'll be people in some laboratory somewhere trying to do human trials, either on trying to modify the human genome, trying to do you know genetic uh, modifications, trying to do cloning, whatever, trying to find a way to to uh, produce human organs so that you we have you know uh, all the you know the human human organs we need for transplants. Just all that stuff is always going on while the rest of the world moves on. And right now, everyone's going to be talking about Neuralink and brain implants, and it's going to be the big story for, you know, 24 hours. Who knows? Probably by Tuesday, everyone's going to have forgotten about it until the next big thing happens. But trust me, there's going to be people somewhere in some laboratory working on these things, working on these things, working on these things, working on these things. I'm not saying we should be obsessed with it, but I think we need to know that, hey, as culture changes, and as technology advances, those cultural and technological changes always impacts Christianity and the church in some way, shape, or form. But I don't think this is the mark of the beast. Okay. All right. Could this technology be utilized in some way in that if we look at a futuristic interpretation of Revelation and we go with a literalistic view, maybe the, the technology someday could be used for that. But remember, I think it will be first, if you look at where that shows up in Revelation, a lot has to happen before you get anywhere near there. And then number two, um, I think it will be a clear decision. I'm following the beast. And so I'm going to take his mark. I, I'm, I'm rejecting the other. I don't think it's going to be some trick. Oh, wait, I took the mark. Oh, no. How did I do this? All right. I feel like we should say more, but I just wanted to throw out some thoughts and get you thinking. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Hope hope everyone has already started their Memorial Day weekend. If you haven't, you're getting ready to. I hope you have a great one. We will probably be doing some live broadcasting um, probably this evening, maybe, 
maybe around 9 p.m., 9.30. Maybe we'll do a little bit more live broadcasting this evening. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then we'll just see how the rest of the weekend goes. Obviously, the goal is uh, Sunday, Victory Baptist Church, 10 a.m., We'll be live streaming, uh, 11, uh, 11.15 we'll be live streaming. The plan is 6 p.m. Sunday night to be live streaming. Um, the goal is Jeremiah, 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 Jeremiah. Remember, we're starting kicking off our summer in the book of Jeremiah. Uh, three months working through the book of Jeremiah and Lamentations. Don't forget Lamentations. Uh, we've got a reading plan, so we'll be doing all of that. But for now, there you go. Neuralink, brain implants, the Christian life. What do you think? Thanks for listening. God bless.